0: Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pamela Ricchia, and this is episode number 293 of the podcast. It's the 31st of August, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a beautiful conversation with Akila S. Richards about her most recent book, Raising Free People, Unschooling as Liberation and Healing Work. We talk about her definitions of unschooling and de-schooling and dive deep into the far-reaching impacts of choosing an unschooling lifestyle. We also explore some of the profound realizations she's had about schoolishness, adultism, and the way our culture treats children as well as how questioning all of that has allowed her to create deeper relationships with her own children. Akila also shares how the pandemic has given many families the opportunity to pause and see their children in a new way, and the changes that ripple from there are transformative. Our conversation was powerful and inspiring. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, Check out the exploring and schooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring and schooling. And now here's my conversation with Akila. Welcome! I'm Pam Larickia from LivingJoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Akilah S. Richards. Hi, Akilah. Peace, Pam. Hey! <laughs> I am so happy to have you back on the podcast, and this time we're going to dive into your most recent book, Raising Free People, which I absolutely loved. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now?
1: <laughs> um, first of all, thanks for the invitation. Again, we had such a great conversation last time, um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, how it unfolds this time. So thank you for asking. Um so I, I won't go too much into the basics because there's another episode y'all can listen to. with that. <laughs> <laughs> And you should, but um, I am, so I call unschooling. I, I've been learning uh, that for me, it feels more appropriate to call unschooling like my starting point as opposed to where I am now. I don't have a problem with the term unschooling, but I do think that, there's an evolution of it, like something it does things to your life. Pam is like not in here because yes. you know mean, <laughs> Right. Like it, it it changes, it rearranges so much of your life that it becomes about more than that original idea about education or learning. And so I started out in unschooling. Um, and now I understand myself to be part of a movement that that I call raising free people, which is really about. Uh, liberation work that is both personal and intergenerational and social as well. So all all of the elements. Um, I do that mainly through writing. I also have a podcast called Fear of the Free Child um, where we talk about it. I focus a lot on how Black folks and non-Black Indigenous folks and other people of the global majority are understanding this type of liberation work in terms of intergenerationally how some of it is really organic how some of it has a lot of decolonization elements in place because a lot of the narrative tends to be around one type of unschooling community so um I'm really excited about the ways that the conversations about unschooling and beyond unschooling have been opening up and I'm just kind of a nerd of that world (laughs) (laughs) That's so
0: beautiful. And it I was nodding away because completely my experience like unschooling is just kind of it's that that way in. Right. It's that way in to to a whole new way of looking at things. And, you know, I think that is why one of the reasons why I've stayed so stay focused on unschooling, because I love when
1: people just start to go. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, that's why I won't let the term go either, Pam. Yeah. Because I there's a, a lot of education that I'm getting now, like actual education <laughs> about the ways that unschooling or a focus on what we want to get away from is also rooted in a type of um, colonization in terms of centering, like what we center. However big however, big letters, H-O-W-E-V-E-R, however, <laughs> um, for many of us, that's, that's what we need first. Sometimes hearing the term unschooling or listening to your podcast or listening to mine or so many others that are doing this work because it's so personal for them and then they, you know, shout it out. We, we recognize that what we do also invites people to just pause and to question. When you say unschool it is disruptive and that disruption is necessary. Sometimes you don't know what you're going towards. You just know what the hell you're trying to get away from. So I, like you, I love being able to like rile that up in people and, and them say, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh-uh. right? Like, so we start there <laughs> and, and that's what I love about it too.
0: <laughs> okay, so I want to share um, just uh, the definition of, of unschooling that you had in your book, okay? So you wrote, unschooling is a way of life that is based on freedom, respect, and autonomy. Listening and witnessing help parents to facilitate learning by offering resources for their child to pursue their interests and to follow their curiosity without the restrictions of time limitations or judgment by way of testing. So as we've been talking about, unschooling ends up being so much more than not doing school. It becomes a way of life. So I just wanted to take a moment for people who are newer to start with the learning side. So you mentioned the key elements there in your description, following their curiosity, pursuing their interests, no time limitations. That's a big free part. Mm -hmm. And avoiding the judgment that comes with testing. So
1: let's start there. And how have you seen that playing out in your family? Um. Well, so much of what, so much of how uh, Chris, my partner, and I were understanding our children when they were younger, and when, especially when they started school, but even before that, because schoolishness, and I can talk about how, you know, how I understand schoolishness as well. Um, but so much of it was based on what they produced, like even as little people, you know, like what they showed us, what the teachers said once they started school. Um, a lot of beyond the person now and over to like the potential them or how, or the performance them. Um, so that, the recognition of that, the slow, slow recognition of that um, has really impacted our relationships with our children. It has made it so that now um, Marley and Sage are 17 and 15 And the types of discussions that we have about them, the type of knowledge that we have about who they actually are, you know, like not just how how you show up for your parents, what their needs are, the the level of understanding they have about us, Chris and I, what our boundaries are and our needs are. it, It just continues to excite and educate me about what happens when we move away from they need to learn these things by this time over into what does it mean to be in relationship with this person? What does it mean to be in partnership? Um, how do I listen, you know, to a child as an adult? What am I listening for? Because I used to be listening for what to fix, you know, what to instruct, what to guide. Um, and through the process, it has impacted us to recognize, oh, actually, we need to listen oftentimes for guidance before we can even decide what to do, like their guidance. Um, so that's really the biggest impact has been around a our relationships with each other, um, everything from boundaries, right? Over to like how we communicate. Um, and that's that's really been the best reward because at 17 and 15, I'm getting to know like, you know, a whole lot, a lot of, about these humans in ways that can really take me back in my old bag of like, you will do this or you will not do that. And then create a distance between me and the human in a way that is not actually natural. It's not necessary. It's not healthy. um, And it doesn't go in the direction of the type of world that I want to be in and participate in. So that's been the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, I love that. Because so quickly, when you start thinking about it and pulling it apart, you realize that the curriculum The whole like what somebody should know by what age really, really doesn't fit with being a human being in the world. Right. I mean, those so quickly you see that learning. It happens. It's awesome. But it's a byproduct of being and playing and doing when they're free to choose what they are interested in doing. Use The learning just shines through and like you can't even Stop them. I mean, why would you? But <laughs> ask to say, well, what are you learning
1: now? Like, exactly. I'm so out of the moment to think. exactly. <laughs> then we develop the skills of witnessing and participating so yeah. that we don't necessarily have to ask those questions. And then, too, like, we, we also get to question our idea of why they why we would think they need to learn a thing by a certain time who decides for a lot of uh the black communities we have always had the issue of how even like what you are learning what's missing from what you are learning the the idea that no matter where you come from and what your background there's just one idea of what learning is and if you don't fit it you're the problem and then that carries out beyond the classroom. So one of the things that I think unschooling helps us to recognize is the problematic nature of this heavily marketed idea of standardized education, to see it for what it actually is, which is just really good marketing around things to buy, which really don't have anything to do with things to buy, things to oppress, things to keep separation, uh, you know, things that are just really outside of the type of things we get to really pay attention to and say, do I do I even want to participate in that? Like it, even if that's where my kid might learn something, because in some instances, school is like daycare, you know, it's it's the place where your kid can be for free so that you can go work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all these reasons why, why we do what we do. But through unschooling movements, we get to recognize that Look, this is not just about your kid being free to learn whatever they want to learn. This is about being a part of a structure that subjugates people and that participates in a lot of the same problems that we deal with in our community, in our home. Society begins oftentimes at home. So if we can start to create different dynamics and relationships and understandings in home with the people we around every day, then we get the sort of practice to then meet up and say, oh, I'm uncomfortable with this thing similarly to the way that I was uncomfortable when my kid called me out about this thing. But I have a little practice of not being like, oh, my God, what, but I, that wasn't my intention. What the hell? You know, like I, I have practice being like, oh, oh, because I care about you, I'm going to just not retaliate. I'm going to not react and I'm going to listen to what you're saying. That alone is a game changer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I think, like,
1: yeah, like you can do that in school, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: And yeah. that, that structure, like you were saying, I love what you said about how, like, even, even if they learn things, and they can learn things there because sometimes you're interested, you know, sometimes, you know. Even a
1: broken clock is right twice a day, <laughs> exactly. is that right? <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's not the point, like, because inside that world, is is where they're valuing certain things. They're valuing yes. all these things. They're teaching, you know, implicitly teaching the system. They're implicitly teaching that power dynamic. There's so much that you're absorbing in that environment Yeah, to be able to step back and say, like, do I want all these other pieces? And then, I mean, you can also do the work um, to not bring, you know, if school needs to be part of your life mm-hmm. or is, is chosen to be part of your life. Yeah. While, um, you can still do the work to, but it's extra
1: work. Right. And, and some of it, you won't always bring be able it to home. Yes. And, and in some cases it's contrary, like you will have to, you know, as my friend Natalie on a recent episode was saying, when her boys were in school Yes, she was there all the time and she was doing the things and they were, you know, self-directed education minded even at home because you can, you know, the skills exist. The skills are life skills. It's just easier as an unschooler to practice them because she's like, as much as I was like, you know, whatever was happening with my kids, I had to shut up. When I was at school at a certain point as the parent, I had to shut up because ultimately the decision went with another person who even if they understood my kid and wanted the best for my kid, they do not have the power, they, you know, cause this is not an issue of teachers. This is not a teacher issue. It's the institution mm-hmm. of education as we understand it and miseducation as we understand it. And so that's, that's important to recognize as well that yes, there are even children, family um, dynamics as well as children who want to be in school and that it doesn't stop you from thinking about autonomy. And if a kid is there and they leave, then it's not a consequence or you're going to work with them or whatever. That's very different. But recognize the two things is that, one, you can still practice some of the principles of unschooling because they are really about relationship and community. However, you will you will need to recognize that you'll be needing to do some types of like undoing and that your power will be limited and your child's power will be limited inside of those systems. And I want Pam to read what I consider my definition of unschooling is what you read was context around it. Um, because I think this ties into what we're saying here too. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, Yeah, so the way that I define unschooling is a child-trusting, anti-oppression, liberatory, love-centered approach to parenting and caregiving. Um, It is also creating and expanding communities of confident, capable people who understand how they learn best and how to work collaboratively to learn and solve things, right? So, So it's so much more than what is happening between them and information. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, and that goes back to, because that's another thing I wanted to touch on. You've mentioned a couple of times now, how so quickly, so quickly when you, because unschooling, you know, it's a great way. Like you said, it catches attention, right? It's like, hmm, I'm not happy, there's this thing that's caught my attention and that I'm curious about. And I dive in and very soon it, you know, through a bit of peeling back that we've just been talking about, it becomes about the relationships. You recognize that, Oh, you know, I don't need to worry about the ABCs of the facts and, and all that kind of stuff out there. It will come. I need to focus on the relationships and and communicate like the skills that we develop but it is so much of our work to do right yes Uh, and the what I found really interesting um, was just how the lens that we use to start uh looking at these relationships and that's where you also learn how much even even like I was a rather alternative parent you know I wasn't you know I didn't know the word, the phrase attachment parenting before, but I pretty much gotten there on my own because I just didn't feel comfortable. Yep. And so, but this was eye opening when I came to unschooling. So, when I was kind of doing the bulk of my deschooling, schooling, then I really, what, what made a lot of sense to me was kind of like that adultism lens or childhood mm-hmm. lens. Yep. Like to really recognize how much power was wrapped up in our relationship. And that peeling back to recognize that I didn't need it, and that step too of that. Oh, I'm just too excited. <laughs> <laughs> that step where um, it's not about just releasing power, right? It's about what you yep. place that with. That's the absolutely witness, the communication, the the witness or the observing component. To be really curious and interested in knowing your children and what they're up to and appreciating them as people and happy to let them be. And there's just so much wrapped up in there. When you when you realize that you don't need this power, you can step back and be right. And you wrote about viewing your relationships with your children through the lens of post-colonial parenting Um, And that helped you move beyond that adult-centric perspective on those relationships, what it means to be a parent. And that really resonated with me, too, what Mm. I've been learning over the last few years. I'm like, yes, you know, that is just a bigger lens on adultism, right? (laughs) So I was hoping you could share a little bit more about how that's looked for you, how that.
1: Definitely. Oh, I love all of that, Pam, all of that, Um, because I could see I could see the, the scaffolding, like I could see where you are. Yeah, totally. Um, it really, it all, a lot of it boils down to that for me. The idea that colonization, what in my education, my college education, uh, taught me to look at colonization as a thing that had happened one time in the past, yes. you know, as opposed to a thing that is very much a real part of how we see and relate and connect and disconnect and dehumanize now. And so power, as you said, Pam, when I recognized that I didn't, one, that I was also the oppressor, like there were mm-hmm. environments where I was the oppressor and that children, all children, not just mine, are the ones over whom I will have the most power. It, it doesn't even matter whose child it is. If I'm in the room with just that person, just mm-hmm. the dynamics of, right? So like that. that, just to be able to, deconstruct that for myself just to be able to unpack that like what what messages am i sending about power mm-hmm. right and those are the questions that chris and i were really starting to ask ourselves before we could even pull the girls out of school we thought it was an education thing but then we recognized that it was so much more than that right like it was about a sort of adultism where we could easily use that privilege to say as we did i hear what you're saying i hear that you don't want to be there but yeah that's it, it no, but yeah yeah but yeah but yeah um we don't get it we don't understand it so until you can articulate it in the way that makes sense to us we are not going to listen like that's real familiar you know what i'm saying like as an adult that's really familiar that sounds like the government you know that sounds like so many different things that we push back against that sounds like the myth of white supremacy you know it sounds like so many things that we navigate where it's like well, yeah, you say you're in pain, but I know that I intended something different. So until you're like bleeding, you know, until so many of you have died, until so many people have been evicted, until this, 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 then, then, you know, on, when you march that 90th time, like there's always other conditions for the person being oppressed to prove and to move out of. And it was very much a parallel to how, we viewed how we were raising our children, how we were relating to our children. So that's why I call it a post-colonial lens because I recognize that deschooling for me. At another friend on the podcast, Lane Santa Cruz, who um, talked about how in her community, as Indigenous people, they don't. How she is able to uh, open the conversation about unschooling, particularly among elders is to really talk more about decolonization and, and the link between de-schooling as decolonization, right? And yep. so, <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Like, yeah. I, it's so fun when you start to see the bigger picture, all the different ways you can come in. This is fascinating about the unschooling community. There are people with wide ranges of experiences yes. that show up here because there are so many ways... In and into floor, yep. right? It is it is really fascinating. Um
1: what, trying to trying to remember what piece there I was very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> I can read in the meantime. I have a definition also oh, of d school, okay, which okay. I love. So maybe we could splice that in there. Sure. Um yeah, so especially because I know that when I first started out back in 2012, before and I, I wasn't really an unschooler then. We were exploring. We were definitely doing school at home, which is pretty normal. You know, a lot of people yeah. end up, right, which and you get to learn. And I say you move from process to practice over time, um, or we did. But I, but I learned to recognize de-schooling not necessarily as just like a thing that you do to get out of the mindset of the classroom learning, but really broader than that. So I say that de-schooling is shedding the programming and habits that resulted from other people's agency over your time, body, thoughts, or actions. And it is also designing and practicing beliefs that align with your desire to thrive, to be happy, and to succeed. Right, Because it's completely out of that mindset of like, what do I accomplish? How do I prove? How do I convey over to what does it mean to have agency over my time and my energy and my body? How do I get in the way of other people having agency in that way? And what do we do with that information? It's a very different thing that leads us to a lot of the same things we think we pick up in school.
0: Yes. Yes, I love that. And that absolutely reminded me where I wanted to go with that as well. Yes, nice (laughs) jump. Is okay, so helping them explore their agency, but that is our de-schooling work. Like there's just so much as we pull that apart and we come to recognize what you were talking about before is that with our previous um, relationships with our kids and the power that we're using, we are just um, showing them and, and we don't even realize that we're showing them that this is an okay dynamic. Yep. And that this is the way they're going to interact or they have to interact with every other institution or yeah. situation or company or whatever that they show up in the world with when they grow
1: Absolutely. up. Absolutely, Yeah. So you're like the first teacher of that. Yeah. You? Which if is on purpose or not. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. It's not,
0: uh, you know, so uh, when you frame it that way, but that's another layer layer to peel back, right? Is to recognize that framing. Yeah. And and our experience with our kids, with this new kind of dynamic with them, um, it really gives us the experience that this is a way we can
1: live. Exactly. Exactly, Pam. It puts it into practice. Yes. Yes. We can
0: practice it. They can they can be. They can, we can be in relationship with people like that out in the world too.
1: Yes. That's right. why that's why I keep saying like we are society. Yes. We are society like movement work organizing it happens in a variety of ways and the the realization of that the naming of that is important. So I feel like a lot of my activism is in the home and it's in my home, but it's also in other people's homes because I share it. Somebody's listening to the podcast in their bathtub and it gives a big shift in how they're in relationship <laughs> with their kid when they get out of the tub. You yeah. know, like that, <laughs> that's moving the relationship as well. Or somebody's listening on the train and movement is helpful for them to process their thoughts as it is for a lot of us. Like we do we get to normalize The idea that somebody doesn't need to fit into a certain box in order for it to be okay, or that we don't need to fit into a box to be okay, because we are society. Like a lot of schoolishness looks at, you know, society as a thing that you figure out how to fit into, you know, to become a productive part of a contributor to. But we are society like society is made of of people and we're people. So we may not be able to change the big thing out there. It often feels like that you know, um, like, I won't be able to change this thing in the government, or I might not be able to change the thing in this institution or this structure, maybe, but I absolutely can change relationship. And, and so that's what's so heartening for me about the unschooling movement is that it doesn't just challenge us to move away from, it challenges a reimagining And a recognizing of the ways that you said that we could actually just be, I don't need to be different to talk to you. I don't need to sound different to talk to you. What would it mean if I said a thing and you didn't understand it? And then you said, what did that mean? And I told you, like, we don't have to pretend, you know, just those simple things for me, Pam. Like I, I didn't, they are simple things, but they just didn't occur to me in that way before in that schoolish mind. It's like, it's almost like I didn't have permission no
0: permission, no choice, no agency. I think yep. that is something that we come to recognize. Oh, like the world's not going to fall apart if I make an, a different choice. I don't yeah. have to do the fit in path. Yep. Right? Like, cause we, we just kind of absorb the idea that, oh my gosh, if you don't fit in, follow this one trajectory, you know, everybody, your world is going to fall apart. Yeah. We reckon we come to recognize that, oh, my gosh, I can make choices that fit better for me and my family that feel better for us. And I can bring them with me out in the world. And you know what? I don't mind a side I hear too, because it's just a little seed planted that
1: look, I didn't <laughs> explode. <laughs> exactly. No, really, really, really. That's why it was so important for me in the title of my book to use the word healing, healing, healing. It unschooling has been healing work because exactly that, that the example you just gave of I can take it out in the world and I can what it means to show up more as myself in the world is healing because hurt people hurt people. We know this and that this is why it's important to to name for me to name also the idea that in unschooling, you do not first have to like be healed or de-schooled or knowledgeable about whatever the hell before you do it or before you call yourself that or before you actively explore it. That is a schoolish idea. There's no right curriculum, right? There's, there's the listening. I get the question all the time. So then what do you do, you know, in unschooling as a curriculum? And I understand, you know, especially if you haven't been exposed to it, I understand the question, but I'm very excited about uh, making that question weird. Because and, and by making it weird, it would mean that more people were really clear that unschooling meant that you were actually designing what made sense for you and that curricula could come and go because it's not that it needs to be devoid of it, but that we are not centering it or attached to it and, and that we have permission to experience like even if we don't know what would be different, like experience is allowed, you can heal your way uh, towards emergent structure, towards life design. You don't have to have it first.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. There are just so many things popping in my head. So <laughs> the, the thing is, I love the way you said you don't have to center, you know, curriculum or anything because people, when they come to unschooling, they are so fearful of being judged too, right? Like, oh my, I can't use curriculum. I can't touch it. Um, yet. What that all the de-schooling helps to do is like we were talking about before, not valuing certain pieces of information or styles of presentation or anything, not valuing that above anything else. And what it comes back to is the relationships, right? The individuals, the people, somebody want to try it? Do they enjoy it? Do they like it that way? Conversations yes. are generated just from that engagement with it. Absolutely. Take it or leave it. No judgment, no
1: value one way or the other, except for the value that it has to the person, right? Exactly. Yes. And the capacity to have that be a vehicle for building trust, because yeah. that's what a lot of unschooling is about. Because when we talk about deschooling, especially if it's you know, for families whose children are in school, I think everyone can be de-schooling, but specifically in the context of leaving school, right? Yeah. We we sometimes the curriculum can be useful because you that's what you know as a form of observation. So you say, All right, we're still gonna do this thing, um, if especially if it's something that the child isn't opposed to, but a day that they don't do the thing you say or they say, oh, this actually um, reminded me of this thing. And they're paying attention to how you react to that. You know, yeah. whether you react or respond, can they trust you with what they are discovering about themselves? Can they trust you with who they actually are? Because typically as a schooled parent, one of the things that we might not even recognize we do is we remove our trust. We, we are not trustworthy because we only are talking to our children and talking about trust from the context of school or studenthood, right? Like I trust that you're doing a good job because you got an A, (laughs) right? Like that's how that's connected or because the teacher said you weren't disruptive, then I trust that you're doing your job. But if you tell me that you're interested in, I don't know, making YouTube videos about nail polish and and then I react like, what the hell, how is that educational? or, Or ask you questions that you know are about you know, shutting your thing down, then I don't even know, one, I don't trust you with with what I'm interested in. And then I, I begin to not trust the thing I'm interested in because it's been invalidated by somebody in power in my life. So when you, sometimes it's okay to to be like, well, I don't know where to start. Maybe we just do this homeschooling curriculum that my friend said was awesome. Okay, but put it in front of them and say, tell me what you think about this. Are there parts that you like? And listen so that you can become trustworthy, because the more you do that, the less you have to guess about what they're interested in, because you can tell either they're going to give you words or you're going to have body language, which is even better communication because words can be so restrictive. But you basically get actual language and practice being in relationship with people and their interests, including your kids So they trust that. And now you are really then curricula if a kid wants that because one of my kids was really into that. It can be designed based on interest and trust as opposed to, you know, coercion and, you know, like lack of consent and outside ideas. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's just just about choice. It's just about exploration. They're learning. They're learning about the thing. As much as they want to, but they're learning so much about themselves and how they want to explore something. Okay, I want to take your um, question asking because you you talk about that in the book too. These mad (laughs) question skills, and I think that's where it's at. Because to your point completely, that's where the trust is built. Not only is that where we learn more about them and the things they're interested in, and that's all lovely, but That is where your relationship, that's the foundation of your relationship is built there. That trust, that respect, that curiosity about them as a human being, you know, and and the ways we can support and help and Mm -hmm. all those beautiful, beautiful things. It's just so important to not assume, like you were saying, not assume that our way is the right way, not to judge that they want to make this video about nail polish, right? And instead, ask the kinds of questions that just really open up the conversation. Yes. And you know what? I found so often, certainly, absolutely at the beginning, that I had so many preconceived judgments. You know, that when they would come with that suggestion, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know,
1: where's the value Totally, in that? totally. Or yeah. try to take it over. My thing would, yeah, but then if you do this, this and this, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like I would just take it over. And then I was like, why don't they want to talk to me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, completely. And yeah, mad question asking, shout out to Notorious B.I.G. You know, it's from his song. But it, it's so important because... We ask questions of them. And also, uh, to your point earlier, Pam, about so much of it being our work, we ask questions of ourselves. Why do I need this to look like this? I wonder why I invalidated that when I recall when I said this thing to my dad and he did this and it really hurt me. Uh, I wonder, I I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. What if, how come, like for ourselves, not necessarily to them, because those questions, Oftentimes, my questions come from my reaction to something. You know, I've talked a lot about the things like when my oldest was like, "Can you knock um, instead of just opening my room door?" <laughs> like, I almost flipped out from such a simple question because back in my day, if I told my mom, blah, blah blah blah, and and I was able to just like question my way to just like apologize to my kid, like, "Bro, I don't." That was not even about you. Here's what happened. Blah 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 blah. Like. All of these things. And then she was telling me how she had actually thought about it for months and that dad had been knocking for the longest and that it was really me, but she didn't know how to approach. And I was like, Ooh! but even her telling me that was about trust yeah. because she trusted that she could tell me what was going on for her way after the thing, you know, after the thing had happened, but it was such a moment for us. This was years ago. and We both still talk about what that did for our relationship yeah. because I didn't go into the mode of like, you know. I didn't, when I finally got my own room, I couldn't close my door, you know, all this stuff. It's like, what the hell does that even have to do with anything? (laughs) I know it's so much of our layers to peel back, but
0: it, it feels good to do that work and to recognize the baggage that we're bringing forward and to recognize it's a choice and to actually think about it, ask ourselves questions and say, who do I want to (laughs) be?
1: And that's the liberation in there. Right. It frees you from this idea of who you've been over to the practice of who you want to be, how you want to be, how you want to be in relationships, who you are in your society, including the one at home. Am I the person that everyone's tiptoeing around? Are they lying to me because of how I tell, and not that the lying is okay, but what are the dynamics in play here that make that feel like the safest option for my kid, as opposed to why are they being a liar and how can I fix the the lying? You know, like just all these different things that you get to be like, oh, I feel like I learned to ask better questions because I still have a ton of questions, but they're just better questions.
0: They are because they're, you know, something that I think was in the network we talked about recently. Like, don't ask questions that you know the answers to. Like that. That would be an early step. Like it's like, oh, I peel back that layer. If I know the question, I've got some ulterior motive behind that question. Totally. Just I'm curious about what's going on. The other piece that you mentioned in passing there that I wanted to pull out is is. When we're in a relationship with other people, it is common for things to go a bit sideways. Like when we're asking questions, maybe they take them a, a different way than we intended, or they go in a direction that's really unexpected for us. And that is totally okay. I remember reading an attachment parenting book a while ago now, it says like 50% of our interactions you know, with our kids go a little bit sideways <laughs> and that's okay. It's the reconnecting. The moving through that, the kind of repair piece, that's where the trust is built, right? So like if everything's going easily, yeah, sure. You know, everything's great. It's when something goes a little bit squirrely for a moment. Exactly. Being willing to walk back in and say, oh, it was, that wasn't about you at all. That was about, you know, something else from the past. I thought about it for a minute or whatever. But that's where real conversation lives, isn't it? It is. We have to learn more about ourselves and ask ourselves questions so we understand ourselves enough that we can come to those conversations with some of that knowledge. Right.
1: Yes. And, and then the, it's the skill sets that that builds, because even if because we're humans together, you know, we are peopling together. So no matter who the other person is, they're not you. So there will be differences. That's pretty normal. That's another thing that I think is very like unnatural, but very normalized and very schoolish. The idea that things fit, you know, everything fits into a thing and that if we just say the right things at the right point with the right therapist and the right books, then our relationships will be some idea of what relationships are supposed to be. And the reality is that even that idea of things being sideways, that's just nature. Like things go in all the different directions. That's important. You know, when you think about any form of recovery, I've been so excited about the ways that raising free people work is showing up in a, in spaces that I didn't even think of and the ways that and one of them is in recovery spaces where people are really talking about how I'm saying it's not necessarily about having this perfect end result it's the skill sets that you build for your moment by moment practice it's not about this destination right? Like we do this destination peddling. It's not about a destination. When when things are off, you know, when things are awry, when a conversation goes all the way south, not even a little bit sideways, like upside down, flip it, all of it, break it open. The skill sets that we develop, even if we are not able to use them to repair that particular conversation or relationship, are now skills that we have, skills that we need, skills that are really, really atrophied in our society because of schoolishness and colonization and all of these other things. We get to learn, for example, to be okay with discomfort, to be okay with like, I'm going to ask my kids something and they're going to make that face and I'm not going to make it about, well, why did you react that way? You know, we recently did this fix your face parenting challenge where we're like, if if I wasn't if it wasn't about them needing to show up perfectly too because I'm only doing that with kids because if you were upset I couldn't be like Pam I don't like how your face is looking it's making me uncomfortable fix it right <laughs> we, these are some of the things that we actually do and we that's normal to us you know another parent is like why would you do that but we now develop the skill to say wait a minute if they are actually honoring in this instance, they did actually take out the trash. Yes, they didn't even take their headphones off and they didn't give me eye contact. So what? Like, so who am I? The queen where I need you to be like, yes, I shall excitedly play like, like, and, but it, but it's a real thing. Like, it's not even such a small example because a lot of discord in the home is about chores, for example. And really, it's not about the chore. It's about the idea of an attitude, the idea that if I'm at my job and my boss tells me to do some BS, I can't make my face up, so I don't want you to do that because you need to get a good job, right? It's tied to so many things that we don't even recognize when the kid is like, bro, who wants to take out the trash? Who is excited about taking out the trash? Not me. What do you need from me? So then if I am practiced in not needing people to perform for my emotional spectrum, that may never change that dynamic between me and my kid, but I now have that practice, that skill that I can apply in all the other human spaces where I will need to understand how to be okay with someone not performing niceties for me.
0: Yes. Yes. I love (laughs) that. I love that. You you peel that back so that you It's getting comfortable with ourselves, right? And not seeing other people's reactions, choices, et cetera, as a judgment of us or something that we need to fix. Like when we, especially when we're talking about our kids, we worry so much that we need to train them into into like, oh, don't react like that because you can't react like that in this, this situation. That shows so little respect for their understanding of the situation they're in. It does. It does. You will know various, you know, when they're at work, they understand the context and the choice, like they will have thought about how, why they chose that work.
1: Yes. And you yes. can speak to them about that. You can ask those are better questions as opposed to why are you doing that? Yes. It's like, you know, what, what are your thoughts around that? What upsets you about that? What do you think about what happened there? It's like a lot of times they will know and they will be able to offer us context. Yes. And we can also give our opinion without making it the law. You know, that's the other thing that I'm seriously still unlearning that like, you know, with my kids, my perspective, if they trust me and they go, it doesn't mean that that's the thing they're going to do or that they agree or that that's even the point of the conversation. Exactly. It's that I'm learning to trust their ecologies as well. And I am part of that, but I'm not it. Yes, yes.
0: That, that is a place we get to in the relationship that's wonderful, where we can share our perspective, yeah. our opinion, what it looks like to us without the expectation that they need to agree. Yeah. And that they feel empowered to listen, to hear what we say, to consider what we say, and
1: then make the choice that works best for them. Exactly. That's the real metric. You know, like one of the things that I'm sure you get this often, too, where and tell me if you don't, where people are like, well, um, essentially looking for measurements like metrics, like how do you know it's working? How do I know? And I remember having that question early on too, like, are we doing this right? You know, what is this even, you know, before I even heard about the term unschooling, like what, what are we doing? The metrics are in things like that. It is measurable and it's measurable, not in the grade that they're getting or, you know, how they perform in comparison to other people, but, are they listening? Do they want to listen to you? Do they want to offer insights? Those sort of things. Do they know that you are going to treat them not as like a thing to occupy or to fill with information, but really there's reciprocity where it's like, oh, I didn't even factor that in or I still feel how I feel, but I'm really glad that we're able to be in communication about this. It's, it's such a different vibe. You know, it is, it is. And I, when I, we do get that question a lot. And
0: for me, I just try to point them back to the relationship, right? It really yeah. is about look at the relationship. How are are you feeling connected? Is there trust? Like, um, and, and then it's just, if you're, if you're worried, am I doing enough? Is this really working? It's time to focus back on the relationship because chances are you've disconnected a little bit. And, you know, you're busy with your things. And absolutely, that happens sometimes. Again, of it's course. not the judgment, right? It's not the, oh, you know, because when they say, am I doing it wrong? You can, or, you know, you can feel the judgment and the worry in that. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Refocus on connection. Refocus on connection. What you were talking about before, like looking at, if we're, it's not about deliverables per se, right? When you're talking about how do we measure it? It's it's the process. It's looking at yeah. the, Looking at the release, the connection, et cetera. I love love that piece and bringing it back to that. And in that trust piece too, in in our conversations, it's important that they be able to, um, you know, call us out. To be able to tell us when things are looking squirrely or or just not right to them. Because that's education. That's the point,
1: right? (laughs) Yes, that is education. You know, I I keep saying it's kind of tongue in cheek and and like, or maybe elbow to the side. I'm like, yeah, real education. (laughs) Um, But that's that for me. Those are the ways that I define education. They educate me. I sometimes educate them because we are in relationships and when you are in relationship in right relationship, education is this mutual natural, as you said, a thing that you can stop it if you wanted to. It is just a byproduct of being in relationship, in right relationship because you can be in all kinds of relationships um, that you really get to notice what to do. you know it is emergent. you don't determine it up front. you learn, how to listen for that person in that time where they are in that moment. They learn to listen to you because it is so dynamic, you know, like nature. It is changing. It has its seasons. It has its ways. And the skill sets of unschooling are to learn to be with those. Not not to have some again ultimate destination or outcome where you and your kids are like, "Oh my God, I love you all the time. No, it's actually the opposite. It's when you're both like, What, but you can still be in healthy relationship with each other because you have the skill sets to to trust your practice together, to trust that you could be in your corner of the house and you're in your corner for three days because mm-hmm. you're stewing and you're processing, and then you come back together without weaponizing your emotions because you've had that practice, you've had the time. These are the skills that I think we are just starting to talk about on a large scale because we are not so occupied with schooling in the same way, which, you know, it came from this massive pandemic. Oh my God, who'd have thought? But it it has those elements, that those breaking aparts that I think we needed. We needed because more people are now looking at their children outside of the context of studenthood because they have to. Mm -hmm. So, so then it opens us up to who are we with each other? What is communication looking like for whatever is next? Because the idea of going back to the normal, though some of us are clinging to that many of us are not. And Mm -hmm. when we are not, that's often an invitation to notice the things that are actually rehumanizing our relationships and to say, oh, that felt really good that my kid is actually talking to me today or that I actually want to talk to them today because they don't keep cutting me off because I learned a part of why they do that is because I interrupted, you know, like, we're just noticing differently. And I'm really excited about that because we will then begin to move out of these little colonies of who people should or shouldn't be. And you said, like, the judgment and to say, oh, it's just that I don't know how to be when I don't feel like I'm being held in a certain level of power. So much of it is really about, you know, power and privilege in that way. And with our children, when they get to call us out, that is the education of like how we are probably with other people too, not just with them.
0: Yeah. I love the way you were describing that process. Two things, because number one, you were talking about the destination. And I think another layer we peel back is to realize it's not about, okay, let's try and fix all these things. How do I need to be so we can finally be this place where we're all nice and happy and la, 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 la. And to realize not only is that unrealistic, but life is in the everyday. Like we're living well in this moment, even if this moment isn't particularly comfortable sitting with that discomfort for a while because you learn from it. Yeah. You ask yourself those questions. Why am I uncomfortable with that? You know, where is that coming from? And then you can bring that back into the conversations and the questions
1: and that, that is, that is life. That's where we're living right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pam. Yes. Yes. And I, and it's just, it's really powerful personal leadership work, you mm-hmm. know, embedded in there. It really is powerful personal leadership work because, as you said, it's, it's not about the la la la. It's about the moment by moment because there are times when it is about, and that's the value of education. There are times when it's about, oh, I need to take a step back, I need to slow down. And then there are other times where it's like, no. I choose this one. I actually, my practice is to speak up here. My feelings are valid in this room and my work here is is to convey that, right? That, that to me is what moves it out of process and over into practice, right? Because practice includes process. Yes,
0: and, and I'm just gonna throw another P word in there because for me, what I love is to approach it with a playfulness mm-hmm. as in, I don't need to, like today I'm choosing to speak up. I don't need to think that today I'm choosing to speak up. So this is me forever. And I need exactly. to know this every time I need to speak up. No, this, this is a moment. Like yeah. in the moment, I'm making this choice. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see how it unfolds. Let's see how it feels. And next time I'm in a situation, whatever, next freaking moment. Yes. right, make
1: choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see how it feels. That really stuck out for me. Let's see how it feels. Right? So that permission, just to offer oneself that permission. Let's see how this feels. Because maybe, you know, maybe I need another approach or maybe I, I knew that it was going to be uncomfortable. But let's see how it feels. Let's see how I process this discomfort this time let's see how I feel a couple of hours from now, as I'm really sitting with, yeah, I said that. And everybody in the room is like, what? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, like we just, our imagination, the fears and the cost. That's why I call the podcast fear of the free child. It's F A R E. It's like the cost um, is sometimes a thing that we construct, you know, for all the reasons. And then other times it's, yeah, that's the real cost, but can I keep, can I continue to afford keeping still or being quiet or not saying what I need or retaliating every time somebody, whatever the thing is, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to jump in and say, just like, take, let's take that back to um, your relationship with your kids, because so often um, new, especially newer parents can be like, oh, but if I say yes to them, Like the cost of that, yes, is I now say that yes every single time moving forward. Yes. No, you're playing with it. Let's say the yes and let's see how it goes. Lean into it, appreciate the moment. Yes, I love that. How it feels. And then I can make another choice next
1: time, but I know now to bring to the
0: conversation to bring to the questions the next
1: time we're chatting about it right yep yep and now got the skills from this thing I pulled some skill sets yeah
0: yes I love that I love that
1: okay so we could talk
0: forever <laughs> so much Aquila. but one last question for you what okay. is your favorite thing about your unschooling days right now
1: uh um I think I said it it's it's the Noticing of the ways that lots of families, just lots of people are like, oh, wait a minute. I like how this feels that my kid is doing this or not doing that. That's currently my favorite thing. The, the openings, the the unravelings, as I call them in the book, these different unravelings that are happening now. That is currently my favorite thing because then it allows us to recognize that we can decide and design differently. I'm so encouraged and heartened and excited and like ready for (laughs) for that to continue like yes question it but question it you are wrong they tripping what happens now you know like
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that so much thank you thank you Akilah for taking the time to speak with me today it was
1: so much fun it was Pam you are so welcome thank you too Thank
0: you. Before we go, where can people connect with you online? I'll put links to your books
1: on Thank there, you. but
0: do you have a preference for where people connect with you?
1: Yeah. My main online home is raisingfreepeople.com. Um, so you can find all the things there, including my podcast and, and Fair of the Free Child is available wherever you listen to podcasts and um, my book, Raising Free People on Schooling as Liberation and Healing Work is also available through the website um, or directly through our publishers over at PM Press.
0: That is awesome. Thank you so much, Keelan. and have a wonderful day.
1: You are welcome. Thank you, Pam. This was fun. was so fun. <laughs> Bye.
0: I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the Growing Podcast Archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.